Hey, everybody, grab your things and hop back on the Shea Station train. We're happy to be back this week with another new episode brought to you by John Boy Media. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jolly Olive, a.k.a. Jack, and joining me is Blitzball MVP and current Cy Young favorite for the Warehouse Games, my guy Jerry Blevins. If you guys hadn't seen our Blitzball performance already, I highly recommend you go check it out on the Warehouse Games YouTube channel, but Jerry... Can you talk to me a little bit about, you know, just the adrenaline, the uh, the joy pitching out? Like yeah, that? man. It's so fun. So uh, zero prep coming in, you know, excited to be competitive again. Uh, and then we're doing our like live seating. You know, everybody votes for who they want. And they voted us a fifth out of eight seed. Crazy. And I have never felt more disrespected in my professional career <laughs> as I did in that moment. It's, right. it was a, it was a thing of like pure shock. And so, you know, that first game, I feel, feel bad for, you know, Mac and bossy because they're lucky. They're lucky that they put on an MPH right. limit because I would have diced them up. It would have been even worse than it already was. <laughs> and like, no, listen, it was a lot of fun, man. You've been the underdog before you're used to, you played for some, I'm used A's to being teams. under, under, uh, valued and under, well, what's the uh, an underdog uh, under? Yeah. yeah, people just try to look through me, look past me, and I love it. it. It makes my job easier because you know they focus on what's what's ahead. So yeah. we had fun with it. But like on the John Boy Media roster, I feel like you shouldn't be close to underdog. We're talking. That's about where I was like, oh, finally, you know, finally I get some <laughs> some respect around here, and no, so. Yeah, so, I mean, if you guys hadn't seen it already, it's an absolute show that Jerry and our friend Aaron Bossy put out on the mound. Uh, we'll have another game coming up in a couple of weeks, uh, but there's plenty of great teams playing over there, so go check it out if you're a Blitzball or Wiffleball or Baseball fan and you're just kind of missing the the game of baseball like we both are right now. It was nice, honestly, Facts. to have, like, a little bit of, like, competitiveness and to, like, care about a team for, like, a couple of days. It was good. It was, it was great, man. We had a we had fun. Uh, so our Shea Station... Listeners, hop on that YouTube. Give us some shout outs. It's it's exciting stuff. Also, if um, you guys are watching on YouTube, you see the Shea Station jerseys behind me. They're apparently very popular, and I can, you, you can see why. They look fresh. Ignore the Derek Jeter poster in the background. We're not nah, we sh- you should have put him in the Shea Station. You I might have got thinking, fired. I couldn't like, you find have a way to take fired him there. if you put the, the Shea Station jersey like lined up perfectly <laughs> with Jeter. I was thinking about like putting tape, but I was like, what if I peel off the tape and then like the poster comes off a little bit and then I get in trouble? It's like, wasn't worth it. It's to the side. It's okay. But yeah, you can find those on the John Boy Media store. Uh, customize them to your own pleasure. They're really nice. They fit really well too. Good summer shirt. So you're planning on playing Blitzball. So this week on Chase Station, we actually have a decent bit of Mets things to talk about. You know, a little bit scarce, obviously, because we're still in the lockout. Uh, But a couple interesting things. Obviously, if you're familiar with the lockout and the proceedings, you know that guys that aren't on the 40-man roster can actually still report to spring training camp. So we've actually been seeing a lot of the top Mets prospects kind of like take the spotlight a little bit, which is pretty cool. Uh, so we're going to dive into a couple guys that we just find a little bit interesting and have some things to say. Uh, but on the lockout side of things, the Mets actually have three representatives in Jupiter right now uh, for the Players Association. That's Max Scherzer, Francisco Lindor, and Brandon Nimmo. We actually got to see Max Scherzer sign some autographs for Mets fans for the first time, which was uh, pretty, pretty cool. Um, but the lockout's moving. 
at least a little bit. They're meeting every day now, which is at least better than things were before. I guess it's the least we can say there. Uh, I just want to shout out to the Mets contingent there. Uh, I love seeing it. Obviously, Scherzer's you know been in the league plenty and Lindor in another team. Nimmo was a young guy that I, I really wanted to get involved with the union and because he's a young, smart guy that can represent the next wave, I, um, well, along with Conforto, who's now an old guy too. I'm happy to see him there, man. Uh, I'm happy to see the next wave of intelligent young players be able to be represented, and it's good to see that unity together. There's a lot of frustration on the player side from the lack of movement because they're ready to go. They just want some semblance of – Let's go. You guys want to do this or not? And so um, let's just hope it, it gets resolved. But I, I love seeing them there, man. It means that they care and that they're involved. So that, that's great. And to see Scherzer signing autographs as a Met, pretty dang cool. Yeah, very cool. And I, I think it's also like a little bit of like a, a team leadership step up for uh, Brandon Nimmo a little bit to be one of the three head guys there. Because, you know, when you think of the Mets, you definitely think of like Lindor, Scherzer, Alonzo. And it's nice like Nimmo is uh, he's kind of in that group, but... To talk about the frustrations over the lockout, we just saw Trevor May go on Chris Rowe's rotation and really just, you know, give us a clear outlining of, like, how difficult this is for not only the players, but, you know, the pitchers especially, who are supposed to be kind of ramping up now. Like, how much prep are, are you supposed to do now? Are you supposed to go all out and get your arm to full strength? Are you supposed to take it easy? I feel like it's probably really difficult for them right now. Yeah, that, that's the point. We're, we're, at a, we're at the part of the the off season now into spring training where this is where the intensity picks up. You're training for these moments. Now you're around your, your teammates, your coaching staff, your medical staff, you're able to kind of harness in because this is when the little injuries start to happen. Right. You really start to ramp it up where you're like, ah, my lats a little tight. And when you have the availability of a big league training staff, you can address those things earlier. Well, now you're, you don't have that. Now guys may not have access to facilities, to ramp it up so this is this is when it gets frustrating from the players point when it's like you know they'll they'll if they don't mess around if they keep messing around there's going to be more anger involved because it's pointless the i don't want to dive too deep into it the fact that there's a lockout in general where they get they can't go to the facility is such a power move and and it's it has nothing to do with negotiations. It has nothing to do with caring about the baseball season because you could still negotiate right now. There's no reason for them to be locked out of a facility, not having spring training, and you could still go through it. They're yeah. afraid they want to hold on to that power position and have that and the, the right to negotiate. Um, and so they did it and they didn't do it because the, for love of the game, they did it because of negotiations as a tactic. And yeah. so it's sad. And, and it's, this is the point where fans are getting pissed off, where players are getting pissed off even more. Um, so hopefully they get this resolved and we can see, but this is exciting to see you, as you talked about these young prospects, this is a, this is a spotlight that these guys don't normally get, um, which I'm okay with, and I'm sure they're okay with because it's yeah. a development time. Uh, because these are, you're not ready. You're so young. You're so raw. These are the times to where you're around these, these big league guys, these big league coaches, and you can harness your, your gifts and hone your skills and, and get to that level. So it's exciting. It's new. 
Uh, and there's a lot of talent for the Mets to be excited about. Yeah, man. I mean, we, we've talked a lot about this top-heavy farm system, and you mentioned before that some of them aren't ready. Some of them definitely believe they are, and we're, we're going to get to that in a little bit because we saw some interesting quotes from over the weekend. But I wanted to go back for a little bit and just talk about you know the particular Met-related struggle with this spring training in Buck Showalter, who is managing a new team for the first time and still has not been able to contact any of his players per, you know, the rules of this lockout. And I hadn't really thought about it until now because, you know, he's only really connecting with these younger guys that he's not going to see for probably a couple more years, especially the ones that are at the top of the system right now, Um, which is why I'm kind of glad that we have a veteran stead taking this position, not a guy that's new to the job and is learning things as they go and also has to deal with this on top of everything else. You know, like we go back to Louis Rojas in 2020. That was not a normal first season for a manager by any means. And this would be the exact same thing. So that buck hire kind of just looks better and better every day, although he does have to deal with this nonsense. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a hurdle because they, he hasn't been able to talk to any of his guys. Yeah, man. Um, it's an unnecessary thing that luckily you have a guy that's capable of handling anything that's come his way because he's a baseball lifer and he's got tons of experience. And it goes for the team, too, because the team is full of experienced guys that can handle anything. They know how to get ready. They're going to come together as soon as they can and iron out anything that needs. There'll be some hiccups along the way as far as direction and philosophy and how they want to approach the season and and where they they have to focus on. But this is a a new staff, a new everything. So it's, it's, it's frustrating to say the least, but I feel like we have, we have everything in place to, to overcome. So that, that's a, that's a positive silver lining there. Yeah, a lot of veteran players, but a lot of new coaches. You know, we mentioned Eric Chavez earlier in the season. The Mets also hired their first woman coach uh, in franchise history in Gretchen O'Coin. O'Coin, I think we determined it was. O'Coin. I'm going to say O'Coin. O'Coin. We're going to roll with O'Coin, a former softball player uh, for Tennessee. She is a now a player development coach uh, with the Mets, and she's appeared in some of the photos with the prospects. So that's very, very cool. Good on the Mets for breaking some ground there. Uh, pretty cool. Yeah. Good on, good on Gretchen. Good on the Mets. Um, I'd love to chat with her. I love to see it. Women belong in baseball. It's, it's nice. I I like seeing it. It's, it's coming along. Uh, hopefully it seems like it's steamrolling and we're starting to see some, some major movement. So just the more people that are allowed to come into the game and and open the better we're going to be the talent level rises when you, when you just have a bigger pool, to, to pull from. So that's exciting. Yeah. And also she was a softball pitcher. So you know that she's thrown like 200 pitches in a nine inning game and you know, she's tough. <laughs> she can go. She's good. I, I checked it just a little bit so that she apparently is a position player as well. So she's done a little bit of everything. Oh, look at that. Um, you know, she's probably mad the DH is coming in because she did it for <laughs> herself. So <laughs> yeah, a little bit. So that's all the circumstances of the lockout. If you guys want to hear more about the labor side of things, I definitely recommend you check out Talking Baseball. They do a labor pod every week, every Thursday. Uh, over here, it's going to be Mets-centered, and we actually have some fun things to talk about. This will be a prospect-centered uh, episode. Uh, but th- we won't be discussing some guys that actually haven't been able to report to camp. As we mentioned before, if you're a member of the 40-man roster, you're a member of the Players Association by default, and the- thus you cannot report to camp along with the other guys. So guys like, you know, number three prospect Ronnie Mauricio, who we will discuss a little bit, he's not at camp right now. He's not able to train 
uh, with the other guys. Mark Vientos is not there. Nick Plummer, Khalil Lee, who had some major league time last year. Jose Bodo and Adam Aller, who actually won a minor league pitcher of the year for the Mets last year. These are all guys that are unable to train with the team right now, are missing uh, some opportunities there, which is very unfortunate for them. But um, there are some pretty interesting characters here. I'm going to let it kick off to you because I know that you actually trained with some of these guys uh, in your last stint with the Mets. Yeah, so obviously the big name for everybody uh, across the Metsdom is like Francisco. Metsdom. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, it's it's the big catcher. It's Francisco Alvarez. He's he's like a shining star right now, and it's wonderful to see because he is special. Yeah. Um, but he's also a young prospect, so there's a lot of expectations being put on him. There's a lot of people you know, anointing him at an early age. Um, but this is where it fits for me. I think he can live up to that hype. He's got a lot of like offensive skills. Um, his numbers are incredible for a 20 year old. And he came out and you mentioned it at the top of the show that he wants to be in the big leagues this year. That's his goal. I love that. Same. That's what you want. He is not too young for the big leagues. He's got, some, you know, some major steps to overcome, especially catching is so hard Yeah, to be young. There's just, there's just no substitute for experience, but he's got the, the soft hands. He's got the wide body. He's got the, the demeanor and the understanding that he's young in that aspect and he's willing to work. So he's not going to have an ego when it comes to calling a game. Uh, at least when I was throwing to him, because in spring training, like first thing I do is like, all right, this kid looks like he's 13 years old. He's got the <laughs> biggest smile on his face. And I'm I'm judging you upon our first bullpen session. I'm judging you with your work ethic, the way you set up, if you're lazy with your hands, because I'm trying to I'm trying to f- polish my game. Right. And if you're being lazy back there, I, it's going to bother me in my development and where I'm at. Yeah. And so, you know, young kid, that's, that's where you are because he's never had to work, nor has he probably had a pitcher that needs him to work. And so I get to that point, I'm throwing to him. I'm like, all right, let's see it. He's sticking it back there. He's grabbing it. He's, he's doing everything right. So impressed with him. Uh, game calling. I shook him a lot. I shake everybody. Um, he handled it well. He had a good head on his shoulders. He's learning. He was willing to, he came up to me afterward and was like, you know, why this pitch there? Uh, Talk through it. Super excited about about him as a player. His attitude of wanting to be at the big leagues, um, that's what you want. And his is not, it's not unrealistic to think that he could be in the big leagues this year. He's 20. He's not 16. Look at, look at what happened. Juan Soto, you know, Ronald Acuna, you know, these guys play a less premium position as far as, you know, experience needed but he can do it he can be in the big leagues this year you have uh some major hurdles with mccann um you've got a big contract there you yep. need a lot out of him you have nito who is perennially underappreciated um and a good ball player i love nito so there's already those two guys in the big leagues it's going to take something crazy or something drastic for him to get there this year i think but when he does, I'd be excited for it. Yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about something crazy or something drastic, uh, when Francisco Alvarez started the year in single A last year, he batted 417 
with a 1.2 OPS, which is very, very good for those who are unaware. The kid is a sensation. You know, he kind of he went from very, very low on the top 100 prospect lists, uh, sometimes unranked on other websites, to being a top 10 prospect uh, from last year. Some have ranked him as high as number eight. That's Keith Law. Um but, yeah, I mean, he's the second-best catching prospect in baseball. I don't think anybody would argue that behind Adley Rushman. And the Mets are very, very blessed because we've had kind of a tough time getting a stable backstop back there. You know, we've had uh, bits and spades of guys like Travis Darno, but it's been a while since uh, the days of Mike Piazza. And I don't want to, you know, put that pressure on Francisco Alvarez that everybody is putting on him right now. But when you have a quote that says, make it to the bigs, that's my goal for 2022, you know, you warrant the hype. You know, he's just 20 years old, but we've had guys come up at 18 and 19. It's not a completely foreign thing anymore. And when you have a kid as special uh, as Francisco Alvarez, he's gifted with the bat. Like you said, he's gifted behind the dish. And I just kind of feel like he has a little bit of a veteran presence around him. I really like the, uh, the story you told there about how he's willing to learn from pretty much anybody. Um, there is a situation, though, with James McCann. He's only in year two of a four-year deal. Obviously, Mets fans and Mets brass were a little bit underwhelmed with that 2021 performance. There's no reason why James McCann can't bounce back next year. He's been that kind of player before. And this is a Tomas Nito appreci appreciation pod. We love Nito here, especially what he brings behind the dish defensively. So while there isn't a clear-cut spot for Alvarez yet, he could make it for himself with the way that he absolutely crushes the ball in the minor leagues. Between uh, single-A and single-A plus last year, 24 home runs, a 554 slugging percentage, even swiped eight backs. So he does a little bit of everything. I don't want to say he's a five-tool player because, you know, he is a catcher. There are caveats that come with that. But if you're a Mets fan and you're not excited about Francisco Alvarez in 2022, I would hop on the train. I really would. <laughs> yeah, you, I would be excited. It's it's a he's a heck of a prospect and uh, a great kid could be uh, a superstar. You don't want to do that to anybody and put that pressure on him. Of course. But here we are, man. This is this is New York. This is this is what you're going to get. It's kind of what we you do. Handle we it. Put pressure. Yeah, man, you're, you're going to feel it anyway. To, with There's no there's no more room in today's game for let's let a guy develop under the you know, under the spotlight. If you're a big star, there's too much. You know, too many people have the capability of talking about you and getting their yeah. word out. There's no more secrets. So um, you're either going to develop or you're not. I think he's I think he I would. I would be excited. I am excited for him to see him uh, in the near future at some point in the big leagues, um, you know, knock on wood, you know, barring injury or setback. So. Yep. And like I, I, I get the aspiration, man, because it's kind of it's go time in Queens a little bit. Like it's let's win now. And I think you know if you're a young guy and you're the top prospect, you want to be a part of that. You know they they yeah. always put that kind of expected year date, but you know sometimes things don't adhere to that. Sometimes guys get up quicker or slower. Uh, Francisco Alvarez is going to start in Double A Binghamton next year. He hasn't played at that level yet, so we'll see how things go there. I think he'll definitely make it to AAA. And, you know, injuries happen. You know, spots open up. Sometimes you just need a spark plug. Like Michael Conforto got the call in 2015 with not much minor league track record before that. So it's not impossible at all to see Francisco Alvarez make the jump. It's tougher from a catching standpoint. This yeah. is, again, where we're what we're missing right now is he needs to throw. Max Scherzer needs to throw to him if he's going to. Yeah if he's going to be a part of the future, Jacob deGrom needs more time with him. Uh, he needs to be able to see, you know, what uh, sugar Diaz is bringing, you know what I mean? It's just different, man. It's different. You got to have a comfort level with it. 
Um, you got to be able to like, you don't want to be surprised with, with just the nastiest stuff in the world. And you don't want to see, you know, Jacob DeGrom out there with his glove going like this constantly and then rolling his eyes. You want to get a rapport with a guy. And so those are the things we're missing. Those are the big hurdles of development that we're missing, but it's, he's 100% fully capable of showing up in Queens this year. Yeah, it's crazy that there's no hyperbole when you say like the nastiest pitchers in the world because that is what he's going to be batteried up with. But that's that just excites me. It really just does excite me. Like he's going to be with the Mets for quite a long time. And I, I think the excitement is one side of, you know, you don't want to make it to the big leagues. You want to prove that you can hang and you're worth the ranking. But also, yeah, you get to catch two world-class pitchers in DeGrom and Scherzer plus Sugar Diaz plus Koki Carrasco. There's plenty of like crazy talented arms on this staff with fun Let, things that they're going to throw. Let's not get it twisted. Everyone at the big league level is world-class. Yeah, of course. You're, of course. you're, you're, you have a chance to see hall of fame guys yeah. and catch them, you know, in their prime. That's, that's something that not many people can do. Guys go an entire career without seeing somebody on the, that level. And you're seeing, you know, a handful of guys. It's, it's an experience like no other that he shouldn't be taken for granted, but he's like, a little kid with a, you know, he doesn't understand what he's going through right now or what he's seeing. Um, but he, his, his, his passion is there. His mind is his mindset is right. Um, it's a, it's a great time to be, to be a, a Mets fan as far as the catchings like catching situation goes. And there, there, I know that this isn't entirely related, but there's just something about his build that I love. Like I love like a stout, catcher like he's five he five eleven two thirty three like thick guy. he's a brick yeah. he like he is solid you're like oh that guy's a catcher you see it yeah he yeah and uh and he's fun man i hope his personality like i'm excited for mets fans to get to see him you know he's got plenty of room to change he's still young um but he is in a situation where we were in um the alternate place where it's not the easiest to be yep happy and fun around because it's miserable a lot of it especially the the baseball stuff it's really difficult the dude is smiling all the time yeah. like just happy not throw, blowing off his work like you know he could have done and not just relying on him i'm a top prospect here dude did his work smiled was fun to be around every day uh it was fun, man. So that's exciting. Let's yeah. move on. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, anymore. I mean, we've been, we've been gushing for a it. while. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> great Instagram follow, by the way, Francisco Alvarez. Dude's hilarious. Oh, I don't. I don't. I don't look at Instagram anymore. I that's need to fair. get back on it. I got to be in tap with the social media now. We're we're personalities, Jerry. We got to be on that's the pulse. That's true. You know? Man, it's so hard. I, I love <laughs> I love Twitter. Obviously, that's my that's my wheelhouse. And then TikTok. I've yeah. been all over it. Oh yeah, Posting the Jerry TikToks thing, have but... been great. TikTok's fun. Yeah. Uh, and I just don't have time for Instagram. He's a busy man. He's on uh, TV. He's on TikTok. He doesn't have time for Instagram, all right? And two little kids running around. It's crazy. <laughs> so there's plenty of Mets top prospects at the uh, site right now. Another one of them is number two, uh, Brett Beatty, who many people are excited about. Definitely another piece of the future, a Sandy Alderson draft gem. Uh, who's been kind of working out at not only third base. He's been getting some reps in left field. I think the Mets are trying to improve his versatility. The craziest thing that I saw is that, you know, we get basically four different uh, top prospect rankings in the top 100. 
Um, on MLB Pipeline, the most popular one, Brett Beatty is a very respectable number 45. On Baseball Prospectus, Beatty has jumped all the way to number 13. So the Mets have two top 15 prospects, according to some baseball experts. And uh, was Brett Beatty a guy that you had any experiences with in spring training? I don't remember <laughs> this he didn't stand out to me like i don't was he in camp do you remember i believe he was yeah in 2020 okay so i really don't remember you know there's there's a lot going on um well, you don't study wise. all I, your teammates had, at the same time come on man what's that you don't study all your teammates at the same time well yeah i study everyone but we have so many guys there you know you got like 50 60 guys i'm trying to to, to learn my new teammates that are in the big leagues i'm trying to make a team yeah you know you have all the above i do know um i don't remember seeing him specifically i do remember watching some of his like bp mm-hmm. i just remember i don't remember our interactions but i remember seeing his kind of like he's just a polished hitter yeah i don't remember him in the field which is where you know some of those question marks come for him and i love to see that he's he's doing some outfield work because at the at the very worst you're just going to stay athletic and be more athletic trying new things and it's going to help you but i remember watching him hit bp a little bit and just thinking about how poised he was kind of like when i saw brandon nemo for the first time it's a weird comp um, but Nimmo just in the box, you know, that he has a plan and an idea of what he's trying to do. He just looks like a professional hitter. He's not up there swinging, you know, trying to hit 600 foot home runs. He's up there doing work. It's yeah. awesome to see. I just remember, remember seeing that going, okay, this guy knows what he's doing. He's comfortable. Yeah. Betty was an extra base hit machine last year. He is a power hitter. Don't get me wrong, but he's more known right now for his mechanics and his polished swing. A great gap hitter, great contact bat. The defense, you know, is something that they're trying to improve on, I guess, with the versatility factor there. But he had a great 2021. He jumped a bunch of levels. He made the futures game, moved up a prospect spot on the Mets list, was great in the Arizona Fall League. Shea Station, we were posting some highlights of him when he was doing his thing over there. So he's just been getting better and better, it seems. And this is really, I think, a proving time for him. He does have a little bit of competition there in Mark Vientos as well because they're both playing third base and tearing the cover off the ball. But he seems like just a very laid-back, nonchalant dude, and like I think he's very poised, and he kind of has a major league presence about him, and he gets me excited. Uh, he's going to start the year in AAA Syracuse, so we could very well see him soon, especially if any injuries or uh, struggles come. The Mets obviously bulked up their depth a little bit with uh, Eduardo Escobar and a couple of the guys that are going com- uh, to be coming back from last year. But, you know, they're going to make room for Brett Beatty when he's ready. I think that's almost a certainty. Yeah, this is a this is a big moment for him. Um, this is a time where now you you like when you're coming up and you're in the A ball, you don't feel like you're right there in the big leagues. You right. know what I mean? You still feel like you're you're in the minor leagues or just coming up, just getting your feet wet in pro ball. This year he'll be in Triple A, starting the year he'll be in big league camp if we have one. Yep, there will be eyes on him. This is where this is this is big time for him to either be um, a guy that can be in the big leagues now or they're like he's not ready yet right um or there's a glaring defensive hole where they're like we can't have that in the big leagues we have too many guys we don't have room for a dh you're too young to not be playing the field so this is a moment for him to to really shine as he has an ability to hit and if it if it continues and the mets need him they will call him up yep 
And this is a, like you said, this is a win now moment. These are, these are big moments. Not everybody's going to have an amazing start to their year. At least it's statistically, you know, unlikely that every one of these guys we're talking about is going to continue to just rake. Yeah. Um, and so he has a, he has the ability, the polish to, to be a big factor in this year's, you know, Mets lineup if we need it. But this is a big development year for him to show some versatility defensively and to continue to show that this is who he is. He, he rakes, he is a pro um, and he knows how to hit. And, and that's, that's exciting as well, man. Yeah, definitely. So, and like, you know, we, we had talked a couple earlier pods ago about, you know, the prospect of signing Chris Bryant, what that means for a guy like Brett Beatty. But at the end of the day, with a talented prospect and a talented player who's major league ready, the Mets will find a spot for him. I don't think that'll be uh, a prescient issue. I, I honestly want to turn the thing over to uh, Ronnie Mauricio a little bit, because I know you had mentioned about, you know, kind of a little bit of fascination you had with him. He is a big, big dude, like a athletic figure. I love Ronnie Mauricio as a prospect. I really enjoyed what he brings to the table. Like I, like, I don't know why in my head when I was, you know, he's been a name that I've known since I was around the team a few years ago. Right. Cause he came up at a young age. He's 20. Is he going to be 21 or he is he 20 is this year? Tw- he's going to be 21 this year. Yeah. So he's now, you know, knocking on the door a little bit. Yep. Um, but he was always in, it was like, Ahmed Rosario was there and then you had Andres Jimenez right behind him. And then like a little bit later, he's a lot younger Then you had Ronnie Mauricio. People were talking about him. And so I just assumed that he was this little guy with speed and great defense. And then I saw him last year in camp and I was blown away. He's, he's, he's wide. He's strong. He's, he's solid. Um, It says six, three, one sixty six. I would be surprised if he weighs 166 pounds uh, because he's, he's muscular. And yeah. if he is, it's probably because he's like 1% body fat, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I, I love how he works when he's at the plate. His, it's exciting. There's a lot of swing and miss right now. He's, he's not as polished at the plate. He needs some experience. He doesn't, he's, he's learning right now who he is mm-hmm. as a player and this is a big important step for him to figure out what he wants to, does he want to be a swing and miss guy and hit, you know, for 30 home runs, or does he want to be a speed guy, a, uh, um, uh, a triples doubles guy that steals bases and gets on. Uh, this is, this is where we are because he's capable of doing a little bit of it all. Um, but I love the prospect. He's so fast and not just like top end speed. He's quick. He's yeah. explosive. He brings, a level of excitement to, to the plate that when you're like, that ball's in the gap, he's got three, like, you know, that's a single, a slow one. He might try to take second base here. It's exciting, man. He's, he's fun to watch. Um, I think, I, I think I like him a lot more than people. I think they've brushed him off because they've heard him too much and he's not there yet. Yep. I wouldn't sleep on Ryan Mauricio. Yeah. I, I, I think he's definitely interesting because we've seen a lot of the top part of the Mets prospect list, just tear up minor league ball. And I definitely agree that Ronnie Mauricio is still figuring out his talent a little bit. He has the tools. He's a tall, like lean, muscular dude. I'm surprised when you said 166, because that did not seem right to me, but it's what it says on baseball reference. He's just, he's oozing with talent. And I feel like 
you know, he doesn't look like a prototypical shortstop by any means. And, like, that's okay because, you know, you get, we got a guy in the Pirates, O'Neill Cruz, who's, like, 6'5", this giant who plays a pretty decent shortstop. It's not impossible for your physicality uh, to not get in the way there. I think that, you know, he was finding himself, like, in 2019, wasn't a big home run hitter, did a lot of other stuff, stole some bases, hit, hit in the gap, got some extra base hits. Last year was a big year for him. He had 20 bombs between a single A and double A there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's the plate discipline. And that's something that can be a craft that is honed uh, throughout your time in the minor leagues. Still a young dude, not even 21 yet. But I think prospects get a little bit of an unfair shake there because they're expected to, you know, sift through the minors if they're one of the highly ranked guys. And Ronnie Mauricio a year ago was the number one guy in the Mets system. He's since fallen to number three. But yeah, I do kind of feel like people have fallen off him a little bit because of that minor league performance. But Prospect rankings go so much deeper than just the stats that are on the paper uh, when these guys get to uh, different levels here. So I think that Ronnie Mauricio has a lot more to offer. I think that, you know, he's one maybe with the most potential of any of these guys. It's just something that needs to be realized. Yeah, yeah. He, he's he, it's development, man. Baseball's hard. It's not a it's not a pure skill level sport to where you're like, all right, I can I'm like really fast and big and I just run through everybody as a running back. Yeah. I'm not just really tall and I can play basketball kind of stuff. Not that that's what they are. Obviously, you know, the NBA and the NFL is different, but this is a different type of athleticism. You talked about him kind of being taller. I love it from a defensive standpoint. I don't know why I just love a tall shortstop, the range possibilities, the, the smoothness. I think it's a plus, um, it gives him versatility. The the Cal Ripken, Ahmed Rosario was taller and longer than, yeah. than a lot of people, you know, he, his, his defense is still catching up and I think he's got some work to do there, but I just love it. And I think he can be, he'll figure out, you know, this is, again, this is, this is, I'm happy for him to get some time like this because this is when he can get one-on-one with some hitting coaches with the organization to be able to be like, all right, we think that you would be the best version of yourself doing this, Mm -hmm. this style of baseball, you have pop, you can hit for homers, you know, or, you know, you could be a contact guy, then then you can find a happy medium. I think this is like a huge bonus for him to kind of be as an adult, not just, you know, you're no longer a prospect. Like you're no longer the let's let them develop and keep our hands off for the most part. Now you're like, all right, I'm on the I'm on the precipice of being in the big leagues. How do I make myself ready to go? What do I need to do? And that's a mindset switch because a lot of guys are it's so easy to just be like, oh, it'll I'll get better. It's right. just reps. Now it's like, all right, you got to perform now. Now you have to put some stats up. Uh, now you have to show that you're just doing it. You can't just rely on the fact that you're going to develop. And yeah. so this is a big point for him. I love him. I love what he could bring to the table. Um, obviously with Lynn Lindor there for the next 42 years, um, that's going to be a little bit difficult <laughs> for him, number. Yeah. but he can't worry about that. He has to just make himself the best that he can be. And whether it's at shortstop with the Mets, whether it's in center field or second base or third base, or uh, as a piece to move, 
whatever the case may be, he has to show that he's ready to be in the big leagues now. Yeah, I think, you know, we mentioned before that this was a proving year for Brett Beatty. It is even more so for Ronnie Mauricio, not just considering the timetable, but also like Brett Beatty has put up those monster numbers in the minors before. And I think we're all still itching to see that that monster year from Ronnie Mauricio where things just start to click uh, on all cylinders. But, you know, I mean, just because Francisco Lindor is there for 84 years, Ronnie Mauricio is an athlete. You know, he's a pure athlete. They've stretched him out. They've worked him out at other positions. And I know I've said it before, but it bears repeating. If a prospect is talented and they are ready for the show, they'll find a spot for them. There will be a room for them. So, I mean, if Ronnie Mauricio proves himself to be ready, it won't be long before we see him either. And I think that's why I'm so excited about what's going on with the Mets right now. Like, at these prospects at the camp, we're finally at the time where these guys are like, they're looking like they're ready either this year or at least next year. Um, and, you know, it's been kind of a, a wait for these guys ever since, you know, the Jimenez and Rosario crop emerged to the major leagues, had their time and went away. It's kind of been a lull for a couple of years of waiting to see young, exciting Mets prospects. And I've, you know, being a fan, uh, being a diehard fan, really, for the 2010s, I've seen so many great Mets developed talent come through uh, the pipeline here. And there's been kind of a two year lull. So I'm really, really excited to see these guys. And I think it's unique because um, what's up? I just want to make one comp here. Go ahead. No, do it. With Ronnie Mauricio. So if you, New York guys, especially the Yankees, you remember a guy named Jorge Mateo? Yes, I do, actually. So Jorge Mateo is like, I played with him in 2019 with the A's and AAA. One of the fastest human beings alive, like legitimately yep. so fast. But, you know, I don't want to dog on a guy because he's still a big leaguer. He's still doing well. But he never lived up to the potential of who he could have been. And I'm not saying it's because expectations were too high and he just is who he is or mm -hmm. the fact that he didn't work hard. All I know is the we're at the point in Ronnie Mauricio where we thought he could be the greatest. Like he still has that potential. He still has an all-star Hall of Fame level ability. Well, now we're trying to see who he is. You know, yeah. I don't I don't think I don't think uh, it's out of this world to think that he could be amazing or, or he could be Jorge Mateo and just never live up to it and just be a good guy and good ball player. Um, uh, who, who, uh, Byron Buxton, yeah. like he was a late bloomer. He, everybody thought he was going to be an amazing pros, like right out of the game. He was he number one forever and stuff. for, I think like a three year stretch. He was number one. And I just feel like now, you know, <laughs> I feel like Byron Buxton is better now and he's different than the type of player he was. He still has to deal with some injuries and stuff, but he, it took him forever to figure out who he was as a player yeah. because he has all these tools. And so I think Ronnie Mauricio, no matter what happens this year, I still think he could be great, but this is a year for him to either say, I'm ready. You need to do something with me for me right now. Or you can sit me in the minor leagues for another year or two, and, and I'll still be good and be ready in a year or two. So this is this is an exciting point for him. Yeah, I really think I love those comparisons. And I, I think it's important to remind our listeners that like prospect rankings are almost always not accurate. It's kind of we're all just guessing a little bit. It's a little bit of guessing. 
I mean, Tyler McGill was like the 28th ranked prospect, and then he came up. He made a splash for the Mets in his first 10 starts. Pete Alonso was as low as number 10 in 2017. Seth Lugo was not even on anybody's radar. The guy was like a 40th round pick uh, in the draft. And sometimes things just click for these guys. They figure something out. They hone their craft in a unique way that makes them less expendable than before. And a guy that's ranked number three could end up being a perennial all-star. And a guy that's ranked, you know, as low as number 10 or even lower than that can make solid contributions at the major league level. It's so hard to judge prospects. I can't imagine being Absolutely. a scout. I and, it's, and it's, like you said, it's guessing. We're speculating. That's what everybody does. Yep. It's development. We'll see. But these these guys at the top here are so close to the big leagues that it's okay now to evaluate. Yeah. There's enough out there. There's enough there to be like, all right, it's time to show us your true colors. And yeah. so, you know, Brett Beatty's young still, but he's polished. You know, Ronnie Mauricio's ready. Francisco Alvarez is a baby. But these guys are are right on, on the precipice of – of being a star in Queens. And so, you know, we'll see. Yeah. And I think it's so interesting that we are in a timeline where the Mets top, top prospects aren't pitchers. Cause I feel like that's all we've ever known. Like the Steven Matz, Noah Syndergaard days, the Jacob deGrom days. Like it's always been that the Mets pipeline produces great pitching, but right now it's an exciting crop of position players. And not to say that the Mets don't have uh, great pitchers coming up in the pipeline. Now we got two guys that are four and five here in Matt Allen and JT Ginn. Matt Allen has had a really tough time uh, with, with certain things, though. He's had some injury troubles, had Tommy John surgery and owner transposition surgery uh, in January. So he's been dealing with some stuff. He's going to start throwing again in March, but he's definitely missing uh, some chunks of the season. But I thought it was really interesting uh, because I read something that he like directly shadowed Jacob DeGrom in 2020 and like basically was like attached at the hip to DeGrom. Hasn't been able to see him now, obviously, because of the lockout. But I thought that uh, that pairing was really interesting. Yeah, they stuck him in Jake's group for a reason, you know, in spring yeah. training. I remember they're like, hey, this is a guy I want you to shadow a little bit. You don't nobody. Nobody's attached to Jake's hip. <laughs> he gets the respect of of getting the distance. But just watching the way Jake works and seeing him go through his work is it's beyond valuable. Like yeah. you can't put a, a, a value on it because it's just unheard of. And Matt Allen and JT Ginn as well. Both of those guys came in with eyes wide open and not like a deer in a headlights look, but more of like, let's, let's, let's soak this in. They got, they got to see guys like Stroman, the way they go about their business. And they got to see Syndergaard, the way he goes about his business and rehab. Um, and they got to watch, a, you know, one of the greatest talents of a generation and Jacob DeGrom and, and Matt Allen got to be in that group and see him and show how Jake fields ground balls and works hard in that aspect, how he goes about his bullpen, uh, just what it means and what it looks like to be a great big leaguer um, is, <laughs> you know, it's something that he'll never forget. Like yeah. at a moment in his career, whether he ends up being a Hall of Famer or not. He'll remember that forever because he got to be around that. And those are those are invaluable to a guy at that stage in his career. Expectations are high, but his expectations, as high as they are, aren't to be the greatest pitcher on the planet. So yeah. that's good. He's like, so you know what I mean? It's <laughs> a so baseline. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah, it's it's nice to be humbled to be around greatness like that to show because at that age, they've never experienced anything but just being dominant. Right. And then to be around a guy like DeGrom and, and watch him and go, holy, like, 
there's another level. It humbles you and it makes you work harder. Yeah. Because you're like, all right, I want to be like that, or I can't get to that, but I'm going to be the best version of myself. Or what does it take to get there? So that that's what I love about it. Just a just a eyes opened to what it really means to be a great baseball player. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's really important wisdom to take away because I yeah I do I do agree. I feel like it must make you hungrier to know that there is another level of greatness to be achieved, especially after years and years of being you know what is perceived to you as the top of your game. Unfortunately, we haven't been able to see Matt Allen pitch a whole lot in the minor leagues. He's been dealing with some injury troubles, but people are still very high in him. And I think that should tell you alone that Matt Allen has a lot to offer. The guy that we have been able to see a decent bit, especially last year with how much he improved, is uh, JT Ginn. Um, He pitched uh, at single A last year, was with the Cyclones for a little bit, had a 3.18 ERA over, I believe, 15 starts or so. So he has improved a whole, whole lot. And I think that him and Matt Allen have been good buddies and kind of a, a pairing in of themselves, being the uh, the top Mets pitching guys on the prospect list here. He jumped up a spot last year in the prospect ranking. He's another guy that actually came off Tommy John surgery uh, the year prior. So he finally got his first full year of reps in the uh, the minor leagues. A fastball, sinker, slider, curve combo guy, 97 miles per hour on the gun for that fastball. A lot to like from JT Ginn. I'm getting more and more high on him the more I learn about him. Yeah, I, I like JT Ginn. I enjoyed him. I, I got to cut it up with him a little bit more than I did Matt Allen. Yeah. Um, fun, fun kid. Mississippi boy. Um, he was a first rounder out of high school and yeah, chose man. to go to Mississippi State. Love it, man. That's confidence. I couldn't do that at that age um, and came out and was a second rounder. It was a great uh, big time prospect. Good head on his shoulders. Um, had a good year. You know, I was I was impressed with what he did, you know, the, to get to to high A, you know, in your first full season coming off of a, a missed year. It, it's pretty impressive. He made. Let's see. 18 starts. So that's a good, that's a good chunk of a season, um, 92 innings. So like, that's not so bad. You kind of know what you got, where you are, what things you need to work on like this. So those are the, those are the points to where you're a pro now, you know what, you know what you're doing. I I don't really love, not that I don't love what's trying to figure a word. He, he fills up the zone. I was really impressed with his ability to spot up. Mm. His stuff can be electric. He throws a ton of strikes. Um, I would like to see him strike out a few more guys. I don't think it's a necessary thing. I don't think he has to strike out guys to be successful, but I think his stuff is so good that he needs to go for a few more strikeouts here and there. But yeah. again, freaking A ball. They swing at everything. You know, he might be a guy because he's so polished, like the heat, once he moves up to double A, that everybody is a little bit more polished of a hitter. He might just skyrocket and take off because these are the times to develop, you know, a ball. You're always worried about yourself. You get to double A and you start to focus on a battle a little bit between the hitter and learning how to take advantage of those guys a little bit or yeah. what they're bringing to the table. Because in, in A-ball, you're always about development and how I look and what I'm doing. And then as you rise up in the ranks, it starts to become a little bit more about the game of baseball, the art of pitching. And so that's where we are. I'm excited to see him. Like I said, running up to 97 here. Oh, gosh, dang it. He reminds me of a player. I'm going to look up 
a roster. I can't think of who it is, but he reminded me like build wise and kind of personality wise of a player. I'm loving your um, player I'm comps gonna, today, Jerry. You're like, I know I'm coming your with inner it. Scout. This is great. I love it. You're in so the, it's a, uh, hold on. I'll, I'll think of it. In a second. It. I just need to see his name. I don't even know who I have in my head yet, but as soon as I see his name, I'm looking on, I can, uh, I can see it on the tip of your tongue. Yeah. Hold on. Let me just make sure. Yeah, Bachelor. Tyler Bachelor. There it is. He's like a taller version of that kind of electric stuff. Uh, I think he's already more polished than Bash. Um, I loved their personalities. Kind of similar. Mm-hmm. Obviously, when you're – they aren't completely open to me as a, a veteran guy. When we're in the same group, they're a little bit more subdued and quiet, and I love that. Uh, it shows a little bit of respect. Yeah. Um so I don't know exactly who he is. I was like, I'm not going to stamp him as this amazing kid. I don't know, but he was an awesome impression uh, from what I've got. And I think he has, um, he has a, a high ceiling. I think, you know, as a top prospect, I think he can develop into a, you know, a, a, a top end starter, Yeah. you know, a number three, number two guy. You know, and there's no there's no sense to to eliminate him being a front end number one guy yet because he can turn into anything. Development yeah. is amazing. The way you can develop pitching in today's game is wonderful. But his build, he's like a a, a taller version of the the strong, you know, bachelor style body. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think yeah. I think there there's plenty of reason to be excited, and the Mets have a really good track record with this kind of thing with pitching development. So JT Ginn is another guy uh, definitely worth getting excited over. Not a guy that you'll probably see in the big leagues anytime soon. I think that he might start the year in high A or double A. It's not really certain yet. Probably got a couple more years in the minors uh, to work on his stuff. But I definitely yeah, like... Plus he's coming... He had Tommy John surgery a couple years ago. Yeah. He's coming into you know, a final workload. So he's not ready for the big leagues now, but he could, you know, if there's a need at the end of the season out of the bullpen, you know, that... If you need a if you need an arm and he's dominating and you're trying to win, it could be a Wainwright situation where you just bring in a guy yeah. to throw out of the bullpen, man. You never know. Well, if we're talking bullpen, I do want to turn it over to one guy that I learned about very, very recently. Uh, not a high ranked prospect in the Mets system at all, but one of the very few guys that actually could maybe make the opening day roster. This guy was a fifth-round pick in the 2020 draft, which is definitely a, a different-shaped draft, much uh, less rounds uh, comparatively to other years. Uh, but last year, jumped up from high A to triple A in a single season, jumped up three levels there, uh, 3.08 ERA in 49 innings. The guy's name is Eric Ors, Orze. Try, I'm hoping I'm getting his name right there. A lot of mispronunciation on the pod today if uh, we're incorrect there. But this is a guy that really, really excites me. Uh, and I love his story. He's a two-time cancer survivor, uh, has rebounded fully, regained his physicality, and has come back and has looked stronger than ever uh, in, in some of the things that we've seen from last year and uh, early on in camp. He's a fastball splitter guy, definitely a reliever, uh, but his velo has ticked up uh, with every year that he's continued to pitch healthily in the minor leagues, currently tops out at 96. So he's a guy that if you're looking for prospects that might make an immediate impact once the season returns, I would definitely definitely keep your eye on number 26 prospect here, uh, Eric Orsi. Uh, I just read about him. I think yesterday, Yeah. To, uh, the, the cancer survivor stories, uh, saw him throw a little bit polished, looks solid. He could eat like the, the bullpen is such a wild card. Yeah. And we, we, he's not like a 20 year old prospect. He's 24 going to be, he's born in 97. So yep. he's, he's turns 25 in August. So he's not, 
Like I made my debut at 24. If he's ready and they have a need, he will be called up. Yep. Bullpen, they need guys and the way they're going to go, they'll, they'll cycle through. So uh, I haven't dove into him as specifically, but if he's ready, his numbers look great. He could be a guy for sure. So this is another point for a guy like that. That's on the outside, not on the 40 man, um, not necessarily one of the top prospects, but a guy that can just wow the people that you need to wow to where you put your name in that, you know, all of a sudden he's here and then you got to, you're looking at that. It's crazy in spring training. You can see it in the coach's office. They have like this big whiteboard and then like starting pitching and then there's depth. And then there's like, then your name's at the bottom. He, he probably had a name at the bottom and he could easily put himself on that list, yeah. that short list. And so, you know, I wish him nothing, nothing but the best, man. That story is, is wild. It's something pretty crazy that he's overcome a lot. And so baseball is probably just fun again. Yeah, I bet. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just, just happy for him more than anything else. Like yeah. I, that's a crazy, crazy story uh, to overcome. And I know I talked about it a little bit before, but like that number 26 rank, it doesn't mean anything. Tyler McGill was number 28 and he got called up from double A to make his debut and did an incredible job. So, I mean, don't be surprised if you see him either. I know we've said that a couple times as well. Uh, but there's not a lot of guys on this Mets prospect list that might be ready like for a potential opening day roster spot. So they're definitely the ones that I uh, I get most excited about, just thinking about how uh, you know we get to see this new crop coming up now. Another one that I uh, I want to talk about who uh, made it as high as double-A last year is uh, number 14 prospect, Jose Budo? Budo? I think it's Budo. I'm not sure. There's I wouldn't so many... say it's Buto. Buto, okay. I went Budo first. That would be my guess. But like, I, maybe he got made fun of. Because his last name's Budo, you never know. It's kind of. I mean, if he's if, if he's Jose, you want to pronounce it uh, with the Latin approach. Yeah. It's Buto. All right, I like that. I'm learning a lot here, Jer. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm a I'm a well-rounded human. Oh yeah, come on, you've been around the block, man. You met them all. Um, <laughs> Budo was a guy uh, starter in the minor leagues. Had a great uh, season last year: three point eight three ERA, twenty games started, one point one WHIP. Um, he's another guy that has that potential to be major league ready right now. Um, tops out at 93 on his fastball. Uh, some have said he has arguably the best changeup of any Mets pitcher in the system. So I thought that was pretty interesting there as well. Tyler McGill, another guy was uh, hyped up for his changeup and he made a large leap. I think we've talked a little bit about the, uh, the leaps in the prospect rankings. Nobody made a bigger jump than Jose, uh, Budo, who, uh, was number 28 in 2020 jumped all the way to number 14, uh, in this last year. So I, he's another guy that, possibly keep on your radar. He's unfortunately a guy that is not in camp right now because he's on the 40 man. But that, that just tells you that the Mets have him in mind uh, to potentially make the call soon. I mean, uh, a guy with a changeup, a polished changeup at that age, I love seeing it. It's yeah, such man. a hard pitch to master, to have a feel for a changeup, especially in today's like, ooh, let's have a breaking ball and a, a high spin fastball. To come yeah. out and have a changeup just shows me it just tells me right away that you have a love for the craft of pitching to, to develop that. And, and I'm, I'm for it. His numbers look fantastic yeah, man. in double a 40 innings, only 33 hits given up. Um, not a lot of walks, good amount of strikeouts. So he can do it, man. I'm excited. Yeah, man. So, I mean, I mean, we could go on and on all day here because mm -hmm. there's plenty of Mets prospects uh, getting the spotlight at camp right now. But I think that these are the guys that you definitely want to keep in mind. Obviously the, the top heavy, uh, the top brass guys, 
on the prospect list. And then the guys that could potentially make the major league jump very early in the uh, 2022 season. There's a lot to be excited about on the Mets farm, kind of an underrated farm system, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, from just looking at what we have here, um, it's, it's very top heavy because any, any farm system with these guys at the top are going to look top heavy because they're top prospects. Like you said, we have two top 15. Yeah. According to baseball prospectus. That's crazy. Yeah, and I think they're they're sleeping on uh, a couple of guys, even even in that build. But to have a, a you know Francisco Alvarez, I, I you see everybody talks about him. It's not just a Mets thing because um, he's exciting. Uh, yeah, and so <laughs> it's a slept on a little bit uh, a farm system. So yeah. I mean, you know, hopefully we'll get to see our actual Mets active roster players uh, collaborate and uh, work with these guys a little bit in the near future. But for the time being, yeah. this is all we can do. We can do as good much. as these guys are. I don't, I would rather talk about a big league club a hundred times out of a hundred. I love, I love this. I love the development, but I want to see the best of the best out there. And that is, you know, these guys aren't there yet. Um, I would rather see Jacob deGrom and Max Scherzer. For yeah, sure. The lone Max Scherzer highlights we've gotten are him uh, fist bumping Francisco Lindor and then eating a bag of Cool Ranch Doritos. Oh, he's That's a Cool a Ranch guy. I'm not really a Cool Ranch guy. I don't love Cool Ranch. I'm like, what a, what a, what's guy. your? Let's. I just want to. I'm going to judge you. So, Go what ahead. are your snacks? If you if you if you have a bag of chips, what's your chip? I love a barbecue chip. I'm like a barbecue okay. Lay's kind of what, guy. What's like a brand that you like? Lay's I, Lay's, I go in and out because they they go thin on me, and then sometimes they short the bag a little bit. I like a Dorito. I did. I wasn't like crazy about Doritos. I th- I think my 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 uh, my big take here is that I'm a big Fritos guy. Like something about Fritos just clicks in my brain. So I've always regular been a Fritos. Fritos. Guy. Regular Fritos. I know they do like the nacho or like the chili or something like that. Chili cheese. Yeah. Yeah. Bar- the barbecue Fritos are solid. Mm, so so good. So good. Good. And I like sour cream and onion. I kind of mess around with that a little bit. Like I'll make that in maybe. myself. I need a thick chip. I'm a something chip guy that can all the way. I, I, I fluctuate, man. Yeah. Regular Doritos are always easy. The nacho cheese ones. Yeah. I'm a kettle chip kick right now. Oh. There's a there's a brand out there. I'm normally like a, a jalapeno kettle chip. I love chip. jalapeno kettle, yeah. There is a, uh, a Cuban sandwich kettle chip that's got like the dill, the pickle flavor, the little bit of you've got the pork like mm. I think I don't know, but it's fantastic. It, it's wonderful. That's it's what actually I've been... a, a Cuban place right by the office, and I'm gonna get lunch today. So I think you kind of just you turned me oh, on. Cubano, there oh yeah. my gosh, Cuban sandwich. Get a cortadito a too, a little coffee, and mm. you'll you can run all the way home. It's gonna be great. I'm excited for it. And now I'm thinking about it. So now I'm hungry, and it's, I'm I'm thrown for a loop. It's almost lunchtime. You can you can grab a meal. Yeah, I think like you know you go around eleven thirty. You get an excuse. You'll be all right. People will probably give yeah. you like a side eye. Like really? Lunch? Oh, you're just beating the rush. Yeah, that's all I'm doing. I'm being proactive at the very least. All right, guys. Uh, thanks for tuning in. If you didn't know about the Mets prospects already, definitely uh, go check it out on uh, Twitter. They're posting photos of them every day in UD and camp. It's a lot of fun. A lot of just you know stuff that you'd be expecting right now from spring training. Some BP guys throwing very lightly, just random stuff to get excited about. Get baseball. It's not what you want, you but it's what we got. Yeah. So there's that. It's better than nothing. And hopefully, you know, this will be a, a fun pod to look back on when uh, all the Maybe players. Maybe by the, the time we record next episode, we'll be a much happier place. I hope that. I hope so. Man. Me too.
Alonso to his left, flipped to the ground, and the ball game is over.